This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here at the Big 8 tournament champion. 93-7, the ticket veteran and Ortega connoisseur, Jake Bakoven. I like Ortega and I like Pepper. Coming at you live from the Coppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. We're back on the block. Eastrick here. And my partner, Jake Bakovin, on the block with Stricken Bach, 93.7, the ticket, the ticketfm.com. I am in Vegas. My partner is back in studio in Lincoln, but we have been talking quite a bit about the Hall of Fame inductees. We had some great discussion as well about what's going on out here in the Summer League. We also talked a little bit about the transfer portal and Marquis Step jumping in it. But now we're going to talk a little bit about the super conferences that are starting to emerge. There's been a lot of super conferences that are starting to take place. You have the big 10 that is expanding its reach with UCLA and USC jumping into the big 10. You also have uh, the SEC um, expanding and looking to do more down there, taking on some, um, some wonderful teams as well. But at this point, we're trying to figure out what's going on with the others and the others being the Pac-12 as well as the Big 12 and what they're going to do as the ACC finds itself looking around trying to figure out how to get involved as well. So, Bach, how do you feel that a Big 12 and a, and a potential Pac-10 merger uh, with the loss of the addition, well, with the loss of the UCLA and USC brands to the Pac-12 how do you think that the Pac-12 can still hold up? Do they need a merger? Do they need a super merger? Or um, do you even think they can compete even with the teams that are still left over? How do you feel about that? Well, I think it's interesting as we as we kind of follow along. We knew probably, you know, these, these giant shifts don't happen back-to-back usually, right? I mean, something could, could come in place. And this UCLA-USC one uh, that kind of shocked everybody a few weeks ago, you kind of thought, well, maybe something will happen quick. And we saw when Nebraska left, um, it did go pretty quick. I mean, Colorado and Missouri and Texas A&M were all um, fairly quick to, to jumping brands right after that. So it can start a domino effect, but it feels like as the Big Ten awaits for Notre Dame's answer and the SEC hasn't made a move on the ACC teams, it feels like maybe there is some hope at the end, some light at the end of the tunnel of not having two major conferences, not having two super conferences, I should say, in the Big Ten and the SEC completely taking over. Maybe there can still be be some life out there for the ACC, some room for the Big 12 and the Pac-12 um, to merge together and, and create their own super conference of 16 teams. But, you know, they'll never have the brands that the Big 12 or excuse me, the Big 10 and the SEC would have. So they're not going to get the TV contract. They're not going to get the revenue. And therefore, um, they would probably always be a little bit worried about poaching, right? About the Big 10 or the SEC trying to take it a step further. And so uh, to me, it, it, it almost seems inevitable that at some point, 
you're going to have the the two biggest super conferences continue to grow and uh, and and maybe uh, you know continue to pick off those brands. But there is some hope out there now that Oregon and Washington, who is kind of um, the teams that stood out and said, "Hey, we're ready for the Big Ten too." As soon as the Big Ten's ready for us, then the Big Ten says, "Well, we're waiting on Notre Dame." Maybe there's some hope for them to stick around or unite with these Big Twelve teams. Um, and from there, when you think about like again, you're not going to get the money that the Big Ten has. You're not going to get the TV deal. But when you look at on the field, um, you look at the new Big Twelve and in the Pac-12 if they if they merge or just the Big Twelve in general. The final rankings last year: Cincinnati, who's going to join the Big Twelve, was fourth. Uh, Baylor was fifth. Uh, Oklahoma State at seven. Um, you know, if, if this merger does indeed happen, Utah at twelve, Houston, uh, new Big Twelve team at seventeen, new Big Twelve team BYU at nineteen. You have Oregon, who's probably the best brand of all um, at twenty second because they didn't finish their season very well. But you have a lot of teams that are competing right now and could compete. Uh, with some of the best teams in the Big Ten, um, like I say, generally the SEC. It's probably in, in, in a league of its own. It's got, you know, different teams now in the three net last national championships, um, the Floridas and the Auburns and, you know, the teams that have been around that have done it in recent years as well. Um, and they, they've got a lot of depth there. And, and they've got the, the super brands and the super names and stuff like that that's going to help them get those TV contracts too. So I personally, people call me <laughs> um, Paul Feinbach, I suppose, uh, because uh, they think I support the SEC. I support the Big Ten more than the SEC. I do love SEC football because I love college football in general. But I do support the Big Ten more than the SEC. But I understand that just uh, not not only like they separate themselves to me. The Big Ten separates themselves with the brands and the TV deals. The SEC separates themselves with the play on the field and the brands and the TV deals. So I think this new merger, and the championships, right, and the championships, <laughs> this new merger on the field, um, this idea could put the Pac-12, Big 12, um, whatever conference they call it from there, the Big Pack, um, on an equal playing field on the field with the Big Ten in my mind. Hmm. Based on the numbers, based yeah. on you know the production, based on what they've been able to do. You're 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 okay with that? Yeah, just I mean, if they can, and I don't know, are they going to get Oregon and Washington? Those teams, by the way, again, Oregon barely in the top twenty-five, Washington not in it. Those are the big brands, but again, there's a big difference between. I mean, you got Utah. Brand I mean, Utah's and football has actually been pretty successful over the last three years. Yeah, you. I mean, Utah, Oklahoma State, State, Baylor. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, like like you said, Houston and BYU seem to be uh, you know, up and, and around the corner. Cincinnati. I mean, yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, the, all those teams. That's again. That's just, that's that's blow for blow with what the Big Ten's throwing into the top twenty-five. I, I think I think where you differentiate now is because when you look when you look down the, down the scale and you look at the payouts for those conferences, and you're starting to deal with. So I, I I'm definitely hearing what you're saying as of prior or pre nil Wild Wild West. I can understand kind of how you've come to that solution and how you, 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 you can see it as on the field. But now if you're looking at new TV deals, 2024 is pretty much the marker for all of this really jumping off both sides of that, the SEC, as well as the big 10. I think then you've got to look at it from a standpoint of, yes, we understand that the universities as a whole doesn't necessarily put forth into the NIL situation. But you've got to look at it from a standpoint of there's more money to do more things. 
And then the support behind it is going to try to live up to the, the amount of money that they're able to get. And if there's no restrictions and the, uh, the NCAA is basically um, a barking chihuahua, then you've got to figure that they're going to figure out a way to interject some of that money into the to the deal. Yeah. So therefore, I think NIL is changing the landscape and is going to make these super conference teams as a whole across the board more dominating because there's going to be more team, more more players that are going to want to interject themselves into that competition because they're going to be vying for championships in high you know, level TV games that are going to be able to show and prove for their families and friends, wherever they're coming from. Whereas on the other hand, they're going to, they're going to have to try to compete in lower markets, which is going to be those smaller conference uh, mergers that I think that, yeah. and I'm just speculating. Just speculating. Yeah. And, and that certainly could be the case. I, I think that overall, if you're a big 10 team, you like the sound of that. You want that, that that's where, you know, your benefit is. But I think too with this NIL world, we kind of get this idea that just all the all the rich teams are going to dominate. Um, USC and Texas and Nebraska and Tennessee and Miami—they've all had these advantages for years, yet they're not finishing at the top. Um, and you know, now it might be a step further with NIL, and that, that's hopefully going to close the gap if you're Nebraska or if you're one of those teams. But uh, that's what's so fun about college sports—is you know, as as much as they try to make it sound like it's on an even playing field, it never has been, uh, and certainly hasn't been with the amount of money that's been in it in the last couple of decades. And yet, you still have teams rise up, rise above, and teams fail to do so, fail to live up to the expectation. I think that will continue into the NIL world um, and into the Super Conference world. But, you know, the other thing, too, is when, when you consider the, the big pack, right, this new merger, they've got all these teams in there. Um, the ACC is, is is feeling like they might stay intact, too, um, partially because of their TV deals and, 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 and things going like that until, like, 2035. Um, so it might be a long, long-term expansion type of idea if you're kind of thinking of poaching teams from the ACC. But I've seen, you know, I think the North Carolina AD uh, came out and said the other day that there there should be more momentum behind the ACC kind of sticking together. Um, again, they don't have all the brands. They don't have, uh, you know, quite the big, you know, they get, they're, they're kind of like the Pac-12 or the Big 12 was where you just kind of got two or three. And if those teams leave, you're in trouble. Um, but they, if they can hold on to Notre Dame, you know, and the Big Ten really wants Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's locked in on that deal too uh, at this moment. You know, as long as they can hold on to the Notre Dame, I think the ACC stays viable. Um, you know, as and, and and then, but you know, you're always just a move away. You're always a step away from Clemson or Florida State, uh, Miami, whoever uh, going over to the SEC. But as far as on the field goes, there. Um, you know, it, it, it's somewhat hit or miss at times. Clemson obviously stands out amongst that group. Um, it's hard to buy into Wake Forest and Pitt and North Carolina State. Um, even when they were the top teams in the ACC, it's hard to respect that level. So um, they're maybe coming off a bit of a down year in that aspect. And Florida State and Miami has been down forever. And without the brands going strong, it's hard to believe in the ACC quite as much. Um, so we'll kind of see that. I think that's a little bit more interesting because in my mind, that big pack, the Big 12, Pac-12 merger, that collection of teams overall, I mean, depth-wise, is uh, is a little bit more to work with than what the ACC's got. The, 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 the thing also I think is going to be what really happens this year. 
this year I think is going to lay the groundwork and the foundation as to how this is all going to play itself out. Uh, what type of success they have this year. A lot of expectations are falling down in Miami and in, 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 in not necessarily Florida state, but definitely Miami. The expectation is very high in Clemson. DJ <laughs> must do something to get them out of the doldrums right now because their brand is at stake as well. So you've got a lot of those brands that are at stake. I think that's going to be a key element as to seeing how this all pans out. What is Oregon going to look like? Where is Washington going to fall? How is the Pac-12 um, and how well is USC going to do? Uh, and, and what type of season US, UCLA is going to have? I think all of these things are going to be real Stapletons as to what's going to happen going forward in, as these mergers begin to take place. Yeah, it's, it's really kind of, uh, you know, as much as we hate the change, and, and some people do, some people are embracing it, um, college football is going to look quite different. It makes for this kind of this this gap that we have from, you know, this season, the next few seasons, and who knows? I mean, there's they're still, you know, lawyers trying to do their job to get Texas and Oklahoma out a little bit earlier, and uh, we'll kind of see how it works out. But the next few seasons is the last uh, of college football as we know it, and it will be interesting to see if those teams that are expected to take that jump in the NIL era, the Texases, the Miamis, um, Nebraska's kind of halfway in between there. In my mind, Florida State, <laughs> Florida State and Nebraska um, probably have coaches that are on the hottest seats possible. Um, so it's kind of hard, just timing-wise, to say that they're they're jumping up in the NIL era. But, of course, Nebraska did. I mean, they had one of the best uh, transfer groups in the nation, uh, top seven ranking, and... Uh, you know, O'Shawn Matthew. You 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 don't. You hate to speculate on how much nil had to do with it. But when you think of a place like Nebraska, who has deep pockets, and just the situation that they're in, it might be hard to get the seventh ranked, uh, you know, transfer class without that. So um, they're in an interesting position. But to your point, you know, the all these teams that are just kind of in the middle, the you, you know, uh, hoping to make this big change. There's going to be a, a close eye on them, and and that's what's fascinating too is. You know, which 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 brand looks hot? Like last year when we were talking about this, it's like, is Iowa State going to be left out? But they've got a top 10 team. All of a sudden, Iowa State drops off. They lose, obviously, Brees Hall and, and Brock Purdy, and they didn't have a great season. And now they're kind of in the background, and you're not thinking about them uh, quite as much anymore. And so maybe they could be a team that's left out. But if, you, if you're like a team like Utah, Utah's got a lot more run now that they're Pac-12 champions. Um, so the way that these things kind of play out in the next few years – could have long-term implications on if these conferences start grabbing and they're trying to grab for competitive teams right now instead of program stability long-term and, you know, market size and, and, and what you're going to get back as money and all that. It, it, it Sometimes it, it would you would think that it would be hard to overlook um, all that other stuff, but... It it seems to it seems to be in play to a degree, so it is fascinating to see uh, what happens with those teams. The, those teams have, have noted, like Miami's made that big hire; they've got big NIL money. And Oregon, how do they respond? We're, Oregon's the national brand we're talking about. Um, they bring in Dan Lanning, but there's you know, first time head coach. There's no sure thing there either. Being that this is the case, though, Buck, I mean, you 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 said something, and I definitely want to get on this is right now as we look at it with all that's going on in the in the football landscape scott frost finds himself as the number one job on the hot seat ranking um 
how do you how do you think that's going to play out? Being that they finished three and nine, they really don't have no excuses now because you put together one of the best transfer for teams, but you still have to deal with the element of transfers and how they're going to pan out and if they're going to work out and what the quarterback's going to look like and who's going to to come forth and shine bright when the lights turn on. You've got all these things still yet to be known and seen. So being that he's on the hot seat, how do you think it's going to ultimately pan out, honestly? Because I know you've got him basically at a six and six. Um, I've got him at a six and six. I, I, I think I went seven and five. I think I, I kind of went up a step. You're still kind of playing the, 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 the fence line. Uh, but do you think he gets off the hot seat this year? Well, for what it's worth, I think six and six is maybe the most. And Nate's not in the building, is he, first of all? He is. Because Nate right now might walk in the door and start jumping on you right now. You're right. He is. uh, Maybe I I don't see him back there. But for what it's worth, I know I get uh, get called out for fence sitting. Uh, He's got his eyes on me. He's letting me know. Uh, uh, When I was getting called out for fence sitting, I think six and six is the most interesting outcome of all, where it still puts you smack dab in the middle of, hey, they finally made a bowl game. This is the best record they have. And also, this isn't going to do it. This isn't enough. So I think that that's incredibly interesting. Uh, and with the weaker schedule, uh, a lot of change. I could definitely see it happening. Maybe before the summer's up, I'll lean one way or the other just to appease you guys. Uh, but uh, I, th- I honestly think that it that 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 it, that's about the expectation that I can have until I see better. You know, this is year five. Uh, I've seen a lot of problems within the program, um, and and then a lot of things that have have gotten better, and, and they got close last year. But I'll continue to say it. I don't think there's too many games and I think it's fair at this point where I've been overwhelmed by coaching um, uh, I think there's a lot of games you know five and 20 and one score losses and whether that's fair or not because Scott Frost puts them in that position he gets them uh, to where they're playing close games whether it's against Northwestern or whether it's against Oklahoma uh, but in any case when you have when you lose so many close games it's easy for fans or you know people sitting back on their couch to sit back and say these are one or two coaching adjustments that could have been made, should have been made to get those wins. So I, I still kind of live in that air arena where I don't know if I trust this team to be the most uh, well prepared. I don't know if I trust it to to be uh, you know you know the the best that it could be. I think that that's overall. I think last year's roster and it, and it's gone to prove that in the NFL draft and all that. Um, was better than the outcome that they got. And, and there's there's really no arguing that. You could watch your own eye test would tell you that based on the games they played um, without too much of, of uh, you know, and I know I, I like Mark Whipple. I like all the changes that they made, um, but there's still that guy at the top that, that makes me um, wondering if this is ever going to turn the corner. I could see, I mean, I certainly could see um, him getting another year, you know, getting to seven or eight wins and then having just enough promise to say this whole new uh, attempt is 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 worth it, or worth another go. Um, that's probably would be my best guess about how it goes. But I don't know. I don't know if that's great long term for Nebraska to kind of sit in this um, this seat of of you know have we taken that step forward? Have we not? Um, and uh, certainly it's better than the position we've been in the last few years, which is, no, we have not made the step forward. But uh, I think that there's a, a real potential for that kind of situation uh, to be playing out as we head into, you know, the latter parts of the season, getting close to that Iowa game is thinking, is this enough? It, you know, it, we, we, maybe we've seen something. This is better than three and nine, but is this enough? I think that's where Nebraska fans will be. 
It's going to be, it's going to be tough. And, and so in essence to me, as I listen to you, it's looking as if you're, you don't have any faith in the coaching up abilities of what the new coaches, because they were three and nine and on the verge of having a 10 and, you know, two season or a, you know, nine and three season. They were like literally on the verge of a complete opposite of what this three and nine ended up being. Um, So you're more so if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly for our listeners, and we're talking about uh, Scott Frost being on the hot seat right now as the number one guy on the hot seat list of of coaches uh, to uh, fall short this year Uh, here on 93.7, the ticket, the ticket FM.com. That's where it is. The Sauter Heyman text line is always open. If you think Bach is speaking blasphemous conversations and talk <laughs> right now in our, in our discussion, 402-464-5685, you can tap in and hit back right now. <laughs> at him, as Nate is probably waiting in the wings to do as well. Um, but no, so basically, if I'm hearing you correctly, you don't have faith in the CEO. You don't have faith in him leading the charge of whatever or allowing those in the room to do what they're supposed to do and coaching those guys up to be the best that they can be in order to have a turnaround season. No, I don't I don't have complete faith in it and it's because I've heard, you know, off-season uh, hope and and movement in the right direction before. I you know, and and, and you, you do have to credit Coach Frost and his staff for that, whether it be the current staff or the past staff, is that it's, we always said Mike Riley won the offseason or, you know, certain guys, they, they win the offseason, but then they don't win on the field. I don't think Scott Frost gets enough credit for winning the offseason. I think that he's always been able to fill the holes in the depth chart with something that makes you go, hey, you know, this could be the answer. This could be the, the, where it turns. But ultimately, when you look back at, at, at Scott Frost regime, again, I go to a lot of close losses, a lot of undisciplined play, a lot of bad sloppy special teams, points at the end of the year where they're not even trying um, on kick returns um, to get a spark in their offense. And then, of course, the, 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 the one common denominator, you know, the, the commonality, I suppose, of all of it that has changed this year is Adrian's no longer here. And I know people don't want to talk about it or, or, but I mean, that's, that's what's been, that's been, you know, tied to Scott Frost's hip in this whole discussion is Adrian Martinez has kind of been the same thing. And the focal point of the offense. Now you change that. I, 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 I do believe that that gives you uh, a chance to change some things, but do I think special teams is magically going to turn around and look great when it's looked pretty bad for the majority of this time? Do I think they're all, all of a sudden going to be a very disciplined team? Um, Maybe, but but even if they do so, I don't. I'm not sure how much of that I would credit to Coach Frost being in the CEO role. Um, he's ultimately going to get credit being paid the most money. He's ultimately going to get the credit, and that's where it has to go to. But I'm almost kind of thinking at this point, if that offense looks, you know, remarkably better, at least you know you're down on the penalties and and they're just a lot more disciplined team. Is that not more on Whipple and Riola and, and, you know, all the new coaches that they brought in and not so much on Frost? You know, that could be something you have to kind of determine, too, if you're the athletic director thinking moving forward. Again, Sauter Heyman text line is open at 402-464-5685. We definitely would love to hear from you. Uh, We're going to have to take a break right now. Uh, Again, I'm in Vegas and my partner Jake is there in Lincoln, 93.7 The Ticket. This is On The Block. You are tuning in right here at 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. Join the app. Hit us also on YouTube and subscribe. 
hit the notification button so you can find out what's going on on the block every day from four to six right here. We'll be right back and talk a little bit more, a couple other things, maybe still kind of tap into this subject, but we also got some stuff to talk about Tiger. Tiger Woods, golfer, phenomenal, phenomenal. Phenomenal. 